so much involved in this, you just sometimes maybe don't know. By the way, that first song we sang today was written by Lori Dressmacher. Go into the fire! <laughs> I love it! Let it burn out all the junk in our life. So, and Pastor Billy, I thought you were going to give us some encouraging words today. <laughs> I am. Everything I just said to you and everything I'm going to say is encouraging. Listen to me today, not because of anything I'm saying, believe me. Okay. I'm going to ask a question to begin with. How many of you believe here today that the United States military is the greatest fighting force and the greatest military in the world? By round of applause. A round of applause. I can't hear you. <laughs> and you know this church. We honor, we honor our, our active service and, and veteran service, people that have served to, 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 to be a part of that. It is the greatest. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But one of the things that is really certain about it is the, the United States military has a very organized, a very accountable, a very uh, high level of structure, discipline, and chain of command. And there's a lot of things that sort of work together in that, but there's some numbers I'm going to give you. Now, I did some research on this, so I'm not pleased for all of you that may know a lot more about this than I do. There's a handful of you here that I'm sure do. Don't hold me to exactly this, but I'm, I'm fairly certain I'm confident in in the general number of what I'm giving you here and this information. But I want to just tell you, so an army is defined. I've got a little slide that we can put up here that sort of describes that. It's hard to read, but this is just part of the way they do things. But an army is, has more than 50,000 soldiers that's made up of either two or more corps. A corps has twenty to 45,000 soldiers made up of two to five divisions. A division has 10 to 15,000 soldiers made up of three brigades. A, bata- a, a brigade is three to 5,000 soldiers and is made up of two to five battalions. A battalion has 300 to 1,000 soldiers made up of like four to six companies. A company has 62 to 190 soldiers that's made up of three to five platoons. And a platoon has 16 to 44 soldiers that is made up of two to four squads. And a squad would have typically somewhere like nine or ten soldiers. So now I'm sure many of you are thinking, well, thanks for the quick lesson in military organization, Pastor Billy, but what does that have to do with me being here on Sunday morning? And the first thing I want to say about that is you sort of let that digest a little and look at that chart. First Assembly, this fellowship of believers, we call First Assembly, or better stated, I would say you, each and every one of you individually, because you are First Assembly. This building, this stage, this, this beautiful this ceiling, the wonderful decorations, by the way, are these awesome or what? Look at this place. A lot of people hard work on that. Thank you all. But this is not First Assembly. It's not what is this church, this building. This doesn't define us. This church is you, each and every one of you, and me. That's who this. That's, it's not about leaders. It's not about 
cares. It's not about any of that. It's about all of you in a collection, a fellowship of believers. And so first assembly, you, is a part of something bigger. You, as a part of this church, are a part of something bigger. Now, if I want to put it back in this military term, First Assembly is like one company working cooperatively, cooperatively within a battalion of companies that is working cooperatively in a brigade of battalions that is working cooperatively with a division of brigades that is working cooperatively with a core of divisions that make up an army. It makes up the army of God. There's a lot of us out there. This is not the only church in Clay County, just so you'll know. There's not, it's not the only church in the, in the state of Florida, the United States of America, or the world. And even though Clay today says we're the best church by votes, not by the way, not that they said it, but people voted, and a lot of you did, and praise God for it. Let's not get, and we don't, of course, but get too carried away with that. There are a lot of great churches, okay? And we all have a place, we all have a role in the plan of God. We're all a part of the army of God. And so this group is a part of something bigger than what we're doing right here. So let's now get down. If you look at this military example again, this group here would represent uh, a, lar- a large company that could be then further broken down into a number of platoons that could then be made up of, let's just say, generally speaking, about 20-some-odd squads. Okay, if we use those numbers in, at, the, at the military. So I ask you this question. Where would the most effective personal relationships be developed? I'm going to ask that again. Where would the most effective personal relationships be developed? In the company of a couple of hundred people or so? In the platoon of 40 or the squad of 10? The answer is C, <laughs> in case you, if you're following along. That's where the most effective personal relationships. Now, there's no doubt, make no mistake, I'm not saying that you're not able to have a uh, meaningful relationship at the company level, again, using military terminology. At the company level, you can. You can have a meaningful relationship. But the most effective relationships... The deepest relationship, the most significant relationships will occur at the smallest level. So again, this message today is different, but I believe it's going to be very important if you'll listen and stay with me. God is doing something great in this church. How many know that and feel that week to week? He is. He's moving. We hear the reports of it all the time. We hear people saying it all the time. If you're not experiencing that, then, then, then we need to talk. Because God is moving and we need to get in the move of God if you're, if you're not experiencing that. But I will tell you this. I believe, certainly, that God has greater plans for us than what he's doing currently. He's preparing us. He's setting the table. He's preparing hearts. He's preparing leaders. He's doing things to get us ready for a bigger move a bigger and more significant thing that's going to change lives in your family and in the families of those you encounter in this county of Clay County that we, where we reside. 
It's going to happen. Not going to happen if we all sit back and don't necessarily be a part of it. Because he needs people to participate. He needs willing servants. He needs vessels to operate through. But you give him that opportunity and he's going to do great things. And again, I, I don't say that to say he's not doing great things now. So today I want to speak to you about this. Why small groups need to be one of our top priorities at this fellowship. We've talked about it before a little bit here and there. I have people talking to me all the time about it. But now we're going to talk about it for real. And this is something that's important because as we pursue the vision that God has given us for a discipleship pathway and, 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 and the discipleship culture, Small group gatherings are an integral part. Really, in fact, it's an integral part of, of any church, I believe. I, I, I just believe. Because of those things, that, those examples I just gave you in terms of number. But it is essentially uh, a, 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 a huge uh, wheel on the machine of a discipleship pathway in a church. So look, if you have a car and you've got four wheels on it, one of them came off, it's not going to go very well. Or it's going to be limited into what it can do. And so, that's really what I want to set here today, that that is the thing. Now, First Assembly, this fellowship, this church, our small group ministry from this point forward, unless we decide something else later, but from this point forward is going to be known as this, Connect Groups. There's a lot of reason behind that. I'm going to be speaking three weeks from today on the 29th of December. Next Sunday is the musical production. The Sunday after that, Pastor Bill's sermon. He discussed, discussed earlier. And the last Sunday, and Pastor Bill's going to have a part of that too, about expressing uh, some of the vision for 2020. 2020, we'll call it. And, uh, you know, at this point, uh, there's a lot that can be said that we'll be talked about a little bit more behind that name, but it's pretty obvious. Look at the drawing there, connect groups. We want to connect people together. And, and again, let's face it, a large group like this, we've got a large group service and worshiping God together, experiencing God's presence, hearing preaching and teaching, and, and experiencing time at the altar and praying for one another, and all the things that happen. That's wonderful. That's a really important component of your spiritual life, being here and doing that. But it's difficult to get to know people on a, on a deeper level in this environment. It, it just is. Now, some of you may be saying, well, I don't have any interest in knowing anybody else. Well, I'm going to tell you why well, that's not a good idea in just a minute. You, you think I'm joking? No, there's people in here that are saying that right now. <laughs> and for you, I pray for you. You don't need to think, well, so, so it's all about you then, I guess, if that's the case. You need to know other people and fellowship with them and be connected to them on a regular basis. And, and it's difficult to do. And so I'm not saying we don't know each other, but to get to know each other. A number of years ago, it's been, I don't even know how long now, a long time, I read a book called The Purpose Driven Church. And it's one of the most widely known books in ministry. It's one of the biggest sellers. And but as a result of that book, it stimulated me to research in Scripture. I didn't want to just look at it, but I went and looked in the Scripture and really put some time into looking at what is the character or what should the character and the environment or the DNA, if you will, be of the church. And when I say the church, I mean the church as a whole. Then, of course, it became to be what it would be, the, the, that, those characteristics and things of our church, 
so I found through that a lot of scripture that were uh, referred to as uh, various things that came into what boiled down to a couple of key questions. Who are we as a church? Who are we as a group? And what are we about? Have you asked yourself that question before? If I gave you a piece of paper to write down the answer to that, I imagine we'd give a lot of different answers. Don't be surprised if you get a piece of paper like that. I'm giving you a hint. <laughs> Not today, but in another time, I'm giving you a hint to start thinking about it. Who are we? Who are we? And what are we about? And in that book, there's five categories of what they call purposes of the church. And, and all of these things have, have synonyms that can go into various things. But in that book, they define it as this. Five things. Worship, fellowship, discipleship, ministry, and mission. And within these scriptures that kind of fold into each of those categories in one way or another, you'll find a number of them, numerous scriptures, that what a lot of people call, what I like to call, the one another's. There's a lot of one another's in the scripture, folks. A bunch of them. And I'm going to talk about just a few of them today because the one and others instruct disciples of Jesus. If you are a disciple of Jesus, if you're really a follower of Christ, if you're a true follower, not a Sunday show-upper, a follower of Jesus. If that's who you want to be and if that's what you want to do, and that's where God's going to release all the things into your life that he wants you to have. If that's what it is, this these one another's give us instructions on how to relate to one another and to live together in harmony, in mutual respect, in forgiveness. There's a lot of things. I'm going to talk about a couple of them. But the overarching command, if you will, in these, in these one another's is to love one another. Say that with me. Love one another. When's the last time you told someone you love them? I'm not asking for an answer. Just think about it. Other than your husband, but maybe you need to tell your husband that. Or your wife. <laughs> maybe you need to tell your wife that. Don't know. When's the last time you told somebody you love them? Just think about that for a moment. Something you should do every day. You're across, I think. M- multiple times a day. If we love another. That's an overarching one another, if you will. John 13, 35 says this. Very clearly. This is the New Living Translation. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. It will prove, that translation says, to the world. So you don't need to tell them I go to church, and you don't need to show them an attendance sheet. You don't need to hand them a track. Nothing wrong with any of that. If you want to talk about it, that's fine. But that's not what's going to prove anything. Your love for one another will prove that you're my disciples. Here's the opposite of that. If you don't love one another, what does that prove? I'll let you figure it out. I mean, it's pretty obvious. You don't have love for one another. And that's what Jesus is saying here. So here's some of the other one another's. I'm going to go through these really quick. Hang on, write them down if you're going to go look at them later. Romans 12.10. This is from the Passion Translation in the way they put it. It says this, Romans 12.10. Be devoted to tenderly, that's kindly, gently, loving your fellow believers as members of one family. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor of one another. Now, there's not many times in the in the context of, of Christian spiritual talking points and 
preaching that you're going to hear to have somebody say, try to outdo somebody. <laughs> Rightfully so. But this is one area, if you see behavior modeled, that you see somebody who gives respect and honor, and you see that, you should want to try to not only model that behavior, but increase that for the person that you're modeling that behavior to. That's what the scripture is saying. Try to look at each other and, 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 and raise the level of respect and honor, not for Pastor Billy or Pastor Bill, forget that, for one another. Respect and honor. Ephesians 5.21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Jackson asked me, my son Jackson asked me the other day what reverence meant. And I said, well, it means respect. And then he asked me, what fear? Why should I fear God? I said, well, that's sort of the same thing. It's respect. It's not that you're scared. It's that you respect. And then I went to look it up. I said, well, let me, I know that's what it means, but I went and looked it up just to make sure I could maybe add something to the definition for him. And what the definition of reverence is, is deep respect. Not just respect, it's deep respect. You may have respect for some things, but for these things that are, that you're, that are you holding in reverence, that's deep respect. There's a difference there. So if you deeply respect Jesus for what he's done for you, for all he is doing and all he will do and who he is, you should be reverent in that sense and look at that scripture to submit to one another. Put others ahead of you. I know that's hard to do. But put their needs over yours. Submit to one another in many areas, but out of reverence for Christ. Okay, Colossians 3.13. New Living Translation here. Make allowance for each other's faults. How many do that? In other words, you know what that means, make allowance for each other's faults? That means go into your day, get up and go into your day knowing that somebody's going to try to harm you (laughs) or say something hurtful or something's going to happen. Just make an allowance for it. Give yourself some margin. Give yourself a little buffer. To just figure that it's just going to happen. Whatever it is, faults, it could be defined in a lot of things. Make allowance for each other's faults. And oh, wow, look at this. And forgive anyone who offends you. Do you know who is excluded from anyone? Do you know who's excluded from anyone? No one. Anyone is clear. That means it doesn't matter if it's the one you want to forgive or it's easier to forgive or that it's really, those are the ones that really it's their fault and it's on them, so, but I'm going to forgive all that. No. No, that's not it. Forgive anyone who offends you. Why? Well, remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must, say must, you must forgive others. He's not giving you an option there. You want to be a follower of Christ? That's not optional. This right here is where we need to be. Make allowance in advance and know what's going to happen. That's going to give you a buffer, but you're still going to get offended or you're still going to be hurt. And when it happens, forgive. If I, I'm telling you, I, have re- I don't know how many times I've read the book of Colossians. Hundreds. I, I get, it's the, it, you can read it in a few minutes every day if you wanted to. So many powerful things about that, but... I'll just say, I this week, that verse leaped off the page at me. More than it ever has before. I read it in every translation that I could find. Just leaped off the page. Make allowance.
7, Amplified Version. Therefore, continue to accept and welcome one another, just as Christ has accepted and welcomed us to the glory of our great God. Think about that for a minute. We need to be accepting and welcoming. We don't have to agree with everything that people may do in their lifestyle and their choices. Don't get me wrong. But Jesus accepted us. You know what? He accepted us just as we are. Aren't you happy about that? I sure am. Jesus didn't say, well, you need to make sure that you come to me and make sure you checked off all the classes that you were supposed to attend before I can deal with you. He didn't say you need to go get a degree in something before I'll talk to you. You need to read the Bible through at least once before I'll, I'll deal with you. No, no, no. Jesus says this. His whole idea of everything that he stood for, this is one of the precepts of it all. Come as you are, just as you are. Come as you are, just as you are. As messed up and as screwed up or whatever it is you want to say that you might be, whatever you've done, wherever you've been, whatever the circumstance, come as you are, just as you are. That's Jesus. And that's great stuff. Accept and welcome. And if he did that, we need to accept and welcome one another. Just as Jesus did. Colossians 3.16, again, I was in Colossians 3 a lot, as you can see here. <laughs> let the message, this man, listen, let the message about Christ in all, its, in all its richness fill your lives. In other words, let it push out all the junk. Let it push out all the other stuff and fill your life with this richness, this message about Jesus. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. We did that today. Should do it every day. Do it in your car. Listen to a Christian radio station. Play it on Pandora or Spotify or Apple Music. You can do it. And it's easier to sing in a car because then you're not worried about if anybody thinks you're on key or not. <laughs> right? It is for me. <laughs> First Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up. I learned this from my mother, who's here, praise God. Is she an encourager? Model that behavior. Model that. Encourage one another. Build them up. Accentuate the positive and forget the negative. Be an encourager, not a discourager. Go into every encounter in your family, in your workplace, amongst us here, and be an encourager. You can do it. Build one another up. Encourage one another. Let's see, these are the one another's. Galatians 5.13, the last one. Uh, there's a bunch. This is the last one I'm going to talk about today. For you have been called to live in freedom. How many want to live in freedom? If you want to, you can. If you want to, you can. We've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't. See, the freedom that God gave us is through his son Jesus and what he did, that gives us the ability to live free of sin, free of bondage, free of addictions, free of things that bind us up and, 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 and cage us up into a place where we can't get to all that God has for us. You've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use this freedom that God has given us especially in this country, now in the natural. Don't use that to be selfish. Let's don't be selfish. Let's be 
Let's don't look at it and satisfy what pleases me or just what's important to me and how it affects me. Don't let it satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve, to serve one another in love. Praise God. If you lean into that, man, you will live in freedom. Don't squander it. You will live in freedom. Use your freedom to invest in others, to serve others in love. Okay, so that's your text there, your scriptural part of this. Those are the, I would encourage you to really just make that something you look at. But in, I'm t- in a life that is busy, how many have busy lives? I mean, a lot of us do, some more than others. I would venture to say that some people have lives that borderline or are in many moments of their week chaotic. There are times of, of where it spikes and my life gets that way. A little bit chaotic, things really moving at a fast pace. So in a life that goes like that, how is it that we can possibly, us, as a group, how can we possibly live out these one another's, these commands? So let me just tell you a quick story about my arriving here at this point. After a great deal of prayer, I, I mean, I've asked God to help me through this and, and reading books. I mean, I've read Simple Church by Tom Rainer, Sticky Church by Larry Osborne, um, the uh, building a, a, a small group ministry, a, a life-changing small group ministry by Bill Donahue and, and uh, Russ Robinson. Those guys are, I mean, amazing. They know so much about all this. Small Groups with Purpose by Steve Gladden. All kinds of other stuff, too. Conferences I've been to. All of these things, okay? And I could go on about that, but I won't, but I'm just telling you. There's a lot of great content, a lot of great information, a lot of things and ways you can go about small group type activities, but it all boils down to this. A funnel in all of those books and all of the conferences and everything that everybody says, it boils down to this, and, and this is how I put it right here. The best way to live it out, to live out the one another's, to really be leading into that discipleship is by investing time in authentic relationships with a small group. This is not just to check off a box. This is to invest time in a small group, a squad, if you will, of people, this is really the important part too, who are like-minded in living out these instructions. Now, that doesn't mean they have to be equal to you. You don't have to get like, well, we're going to get all the people who've been following God for 20 years together and put them in a group. It doesn't matter. You could have been saved and tried to learn about how to follow Jesus for a week or for 20 years. It doesn't matter. You need to be in a group of people who are like-minded that want to live out these instructions. And if you develop authentic relationships with that and the accountability that comes with that and the other benefits that come with that, that's how you live it out. That's how you accomplish it. Now, for many of you, this may not seem like it's all that important. I am telling you, this will change your life. This will change your life if you live out the one another's. Not just know it, not just hear about it, but live it out. That's a way that you can do it. So, why it being a connect group? So I'm going to give you some really quick things as we wrap up here. Connect groups provide a place to make new friendships. How many would like to have some new friends? I may not. You don't have to have a lot, but it gives you the opportunity to make friends with people who are like-minded or who are trying to be that way. There's a need 
for community that was created by God in all of us. That's how he created us, to live in community, to be in community, and that's what he did. And so when you, when you look at that, this next little slide I put up, is, it says this. God created us and desires for us to live in community with other people. That's how he made us. That he wants to live in that community with us too. Especially with other believers. Doesn't mean you exclude other people and you don't and you don't have a way that you interact with people that aren't believers. That's not what I'm saying. Can't be that way. But he really has designed us to do this. And made us to be that way. And there's great, I believe, favor and blessing following those relationships. So God knows that when we try to make it out on our own and we get out and just start striking out and say, well, I can do this without anybody and I don't need anything, any real help or anything, and, and without meaningful interaction, not just interaction, but meaningful interaction with others, something inside of us in this life of following Jesus starts to contract. It's not growing. It's contracting. There's, there's something about it. It may be slow, but it, it's not really thriving. So that's one Making new friends. Another thing is that together, when we're together, we're strong. When we're isolated, we're weakened. Together, we're strong, and when we're isolated, we're weakened. There's a story of a young man, and some of you may have heard this. It was a great illustration, I thought, just that I'd heard it before. But a a young man who was following the Lord, he got disillusioned because he went to church, and some people offended him, and he got upset, and he just got tired of it all got tired of the hypocrisy, or he got tired of whatever it was. I was one of those kids one time, too, by the way. And this young man decided he was just going to go let somebody know, a wise old believer, a wise old guy who had been following the Lord for a long time, he was going to go deal with it and talk to him about this. And he did. And as he went in and just unloaded his story, the man, was when he, when he came in, was stoking a fire, and there were coals in it. And the, and the young man's just telling him, I'm, I'm done with this, I'm out, I don't need this anymore, I can do better off by myself, I don't need to be around other believers, that's it. And as he's telling him, the guy took the tongs that he had, and he reached in and pulled out one of the coals and set it on his heart. And as he did that, that coal that was really red hot began to then slowly fade. And it became dark, and it cooled off. And then as he did that, he reached with the tongs and he took it, and he put it back in the middle of the fire, and within seconds, it was red again, and it was burning again, and it was thriving again. He didn't say anything else to the young man, but the young man took the wordless story and understood what the point he was making, and he decided that he was going to get back in and plug in and not let the, not sweat the small stuff and move ahead with God. And that's what he did. And for us, if you... If you think about that in terms of uh, just the illustration of it, coals will burn out if they get moved away from other coals, right? They burn out. They lose something. They contract. They're not going to last long. I, I, I believe our lives can be like that. But if we get separated too far in following Jesus and being in true fellowship and being in authentic relationships, you're going to cool down a little bit. I'm sorry, that's the truth. It is a fact. And the more you engage and the more you're in those developing and authentic relationships, the more fire there's going to be. The more deep-rooted things will take place in your life. So, together we're strong and isolated. We'll be weakened. The next
next thing is connect groups can be a place of encouragement. I mean, we just talked about encouragement. Hebrews 10.25, again, Passion Translation, I'm going to read it. We've heard this verse before, but this way it puts it. This, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. Because we need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently. Eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. Connect groups will be a source of encouragement in your life. The next thing would be connect groups would be a place for God to use you to meet other needs in the lives of the people around you. God will use you to do that. You don't have to be a leader or a pastor or a minister. You will be finding yourself in moments where you will be able to meet the needs of others through God leading you through that if you're in that place, in those relationships. Every week, I believe almost every week, there's going to be an opportunity for people to share needs and request prayer. I mean, that would probably be something that happens every week. Now, there's no obligation for you to do that. You don't, we're not going to be put on the spot. If you don't have anything to say or have or share, that's fine. But it could be that you encounter somebody that's dealing with something that you've already dealt with or that you, something that you're dealing with that they've dealt with. And there's, a, and there's a, an encouragement there. There's some, there's some things that can be learned from that. Could be that you may just simply pray for them and encourage them, and that's it. That's powerful there. So in connect groups, the next thing we have here is in connect groups, it will be a place for you to meet other needs. Let's go to the next one. Connect groups, we have a unique opportunity to share with each other in such a way that God is honored first and foremost and that people's needs are met. Praise team, could you come as we finish up here? The other side of this is true, too. If, if connect groups would be a place for God to use you to help meet others' needs, as I said, the opposite of that or the other side of that is that connect groups would be a venue for those that care for you will meet some need in your life. Through the Holy Spirit working through all of us, not on their own. But let me just say this. Ministering to one another Again, another one another. <laughs> Ministering to one another is what connect groups are all about. It's not somebody up here ministering to you. It might work that way sometimes. But ministering to one another is what this, at one just bullet point, amongst other things, is what this is all about. Now, let me just answer this question that some have. Did everybody get the sheet of paper that we handed out? If you didn't, raise your hand. It says small group info on the top of it. Does everybody have one of those? Okay, I'm assuming by nobody's hand being raised that everybody does. Why don't you just look at that? What will happen at a connect group? It's going to be something really, really simple format. It's going to be a meet and greet for 10 minutes. I think we've got a little graphic for that. Can we show that next slide, please? So 10 minutes will be meet and greet. We can play. I'm sorry. Um, there'll be a topic discussion, whatever that might be. Um, a prayer and sharing of needs, time, 30, 15 to 30 minutes. Snacks and conversation and fellowship for 15 minutes. That'll change a little bit, but essentially that's the component of it. It's a simple format, but let me tell you, it might be for the next year if you'll do it, if you'll plug into it, if you'll be willing to make that. It will be the most important 90 minutes you spend in your week. It might be more important than me 
saved don't need to be here on Sunday morning, too. And, and I did some quick math on this. If you came to every Sunday service, and by the way, the connect groups won't meet 52 weeks a year. There'll be a, a, a group of meetings, and they'll take a little time off, and then there'll be another group of meetings, and then there'll be a couple weeks off, and then during the summer you'll have a break. And so it's not 52 weeks anyway. But what it is is it's a, a time invested. And I did some quick math, and it came up like this. If you came to every church service 52 weeks out of the year, you were here every Sunday, and the time it takes to invest in that, and then the time it would take to, and I added a little bit on top of this. I gave it terribly proud of me. I had a conservative math I was using there, giving myself a little margin. I added a little bit of time to that. But if you went to a connect group every week, and it, we're not going to meet every week, but if you went, 52 weeks a year at the church, 52 weeks a year, and you combine that time with a little added on to it to give us a little margin there, that's less than 3% of the time that you have available, not available, but that you have if you live your life, less than 3%. And people might say, well, I don't have 3%. Well, if you don't have that, I'd like to talk to you about that because I can show you the way that I can prove to you that you do. Are you willing to invest the 3%? Now, that's a question that you have. Having it is not a question. Are you willing to invest it? That's the question that has to be answered. So, again, I want to just clear up a couple things about this. Small groups will meet, some groups, excuse me, will meet weekly. Some will meet every other week. We have some groups that meet weekly now. We have the man cave that meets weekly. We have others that we have some monthly groups that are more quasi-small groups. They're medium. They're like platoons. That's our men of courage. That's sisters of strength that meet once a month. That's um, uh, Silver Saints is meeting this Thursday. So there will be some of those. But some will meet every other week. There will be seasons and breaks between sessions, as I said. Some will meet here at the church. Some will meet in homes. There will be different things and topics. Some will meet during the day for those schedules that allow that. Some will meet during the day, and that will be helpful to some people and useful. And you can work that into your, your schedule. So we're developing those things. Now, that paper that you hold, we just want to know, whatever, just check one or more of those boxes, and then we'll talk to you about it. And when you do, you can do a couple of things with it. You can hand them to an usher. You can take them out of the information desk. You can put them in these boxes at the end of every door. Or you can walk up and hand it to me. And one of those things in there says, if you have any questions, you just have more questions before you know. This is not a contract. We're not going to bother you. We just want everybody to respond in whatever form that you want to respond. If it's just that I have more questions. I will tell you this. This is it. Everything that we do is about time. We have to decide. So most of us have limited time available. We want to invest the time that we have in something that's going to give us the biggest bang for the buck. Or that we're going to get the greatest benefit from, whatever it is. Wherever we're going to invest our time. I will tell you that in this next upcoming year, if you will do that and invest less than 3% of your time and be here on Sunday and be in fellowship and be in community, and work in these connect groups and be a part of what's going on, God will start to do things that you don't even know that you that you need. 
unique needs in your life that, that you do know. <laughs> but he'll start doing things that you're not even aware of. And you'll say, wow, look at what's happening. I'm asking you to really think about this because that investment of your time, you will never get a greater return on investment than what you will do if you're willing to do that in 2020. So that's the challenge. So the last thing is connect groups because, excuse me, because of their emphasis on authentic relationships. It's really important that authentic part, real, real relationships, deeper spiritual growth will occur. Serving God together, it will bring an enormous, and I mean, I really believe this from the bottom of my heart. It's not a sales pitch. If it were, I'd do it totally different. It will bring enormous return on the time you invest. And connect groups are, are a part of these things that we're going to talk about on the last Sunday of December. So as we close today, I just want everybody to stand.